Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Good to be with all of our listeners again today. Thankful to have this opportunity to be together, to open up God's Word, study a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper, and learn a little bit more. Since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, it's important that we stay in God's Word as much as we can. We want to encourage you to come and visit with us, check us out at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street. Come and get to know us. Let us get to know you. Study God's Word with us. Worship God with us. Grow spiritually with us. Our Bible classes begin every Sunday morning at 930, followed by worship at 1030. Sunday evening, we come back together at 6 o'clock for evening worship and Bible study. And then on Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, good time to get our spiritual batteries recharged, we come back together each Wednesday evening at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes. Now, you're welcome to any and all of these services. We'd love to meet you in person, let you get to know us in person. Many of our radio listeners have done that over the past, and many have stayed with us. And we hope, we pray that you would be one of those who would do that as well. Now, we want to encourage you also to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. When you sign up for your podcast for our podcasting, then you will receive automatically to your smart device, whether that's your phone or computer or whatever device you choose, you will receive this radio program every day, Monday through Friday. Search the scriptures. It'll be automatic. We know many people listen to the program regularly, but they can't listen every day because of schedule conflicts of one kind or another. But if you sign up for our podcasting, you'll receive it every day, and you can listen to it at your convenience. But you receive much more in the way of Bible teaching. You will receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and what I really think is a real gem, and that is a short, only about a 13-minute Bible study every day, seven days a week, that we call today's Bible class seven days a week, only about 13 minutes. But again, since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, being in God's Word on a regular, consistent basis helps us to be strong and to grow stronger in our faith. So take advantage of that, churchofchrist.com, and tell all your friends and family members and work associates and everyone else you can. Encourage them to do the same. We're going to get back into our study talking about a spiritual famine in the land. Now, this is really a true description of what was going to happen within the nation of Israel in the days of Amos the prophet. He, by God's instruction, he was prophesying God's word. And he said, God said, I'm going to bring a famine upon you. And it's not going to be for a lack of food or a lack of water but it's going to be a spiritual famine. Now, he said, it's going to be a famine of my word. There's going to come a day when you're going to look for my word. You're going to look for a prophecy. You're going to seek a deliverance, something that I'll say, okay, I'm going to deliver you from your enemies. 
but I'm going to withhold my word from you. It'll be a famine of my word. It'll be a spiritual famine. Well, in reality, they were pretty much already in a spiritual famine because the nation had, the people had gone farther and farther away from God. They simply were not living by his word much at all, and they were worshiping all kinds of idols. And that was in direct, direct disobedience to God's instructions repeatedly through the Old Testament scriptures. Well, so God says there's going to come a day when I'm going to bring this spiritual famine upon the land, a famine of my word. You're going, to, you're going to look high and low, far and near for my word. You're going to seek a deliverance. You're going to be praying for me, or praying to me to, to, to tell you how I'm going to deliver you from what's coming. You're going to be seeking a prophecy, but I'm not going to answer. I'm going to withhold my word from you. Well, they were not living by God's word, by and large. And so he said, I'm not going to give you that word of delivery. I'm not going to answer your prayer in a positive way. At this time, when, when God made this prophecy through Amos, the nation of Israel, this was the ten tribes to the north, they were living through a time of peace. Their enemies had been defeated. It was also a time when they had a great army. So they, it was a time for great military might for them. And it was also a time of abundant economic prosperity for the nation. So you see, everything was going good. Everything looked great. Sun was shining every day. They found it easy to ignore God's prophecy. Even as Amos gives this prophecy, it's easy for them to ignore it. It's easy for them to ignore God's word, which brought them to the point of God finding it necessary to extend this prophecy of destruction. It would not be that many generations until what he is prophesying here came to be in exact detail. And God would raise up a nation or at least allow a nation to come against them and conquer them, overrun their land, slaughter the people, and take the survivors into foreign captivity. Well, we saw that this is not the only text of Scripture that so describes the ultimate future of that northern Israel nation. We saw also in Ezekiel chapter 7, verses 25 and 26, essentially the same prophecy. We saw in Psalm 74, verses 9 through 11, uh, again, just same kind of description. We saw in Lamentation 2 and verse 9, same thing. Hosea chapter 4, verse 1, and again in verse 6, same kind of warning, same kind of prophecy. And then we, we were looking, as we closed last time, in 2 Kings chapter 22, where the people of Israel are described as having gone so far, so far, from God that they actually forgot that there was a book of the law. Basically, we're probably talking about the first five books of the Old Testament, often referred to as the Pentateuch. But God's law, it would be the equivalent for us today of, of, of our nation saying, Bible, what's that? 
I never heard of a Bible. <laughs> Are losing the Bible. That's essentially what the situation was there. Now, in this case, it's Judah to the south. So that southern part of the nation of Israel. But Judah, while they had some periods of reform, Israel did not. The ten tribes to the north. But Judah went basically down the same pathway as their brothers and sisters to the north. They went off into idolatry. Now, now and then, they would have a good king come along and leave a Reformation movement, bring them back at least closer to obedience and dedication and faithfulness to God, but then that king would die, and another one would come along, and he'd lead them back into the worship of idols. Well, here we find Josiah. Josiah actually ascended to the throne when he was eight years old. Can you imagine that? But he was the one in the next one in the bloodline to become king. Now, probably his mother guided everything, guided him, you know, at that time. But he was he was the king. But here is Josiah when he's a man now. He's he's grown up, and we find the situation in second in Second Kings chapter twenty two, beginning with verse eight, where the high priest is apparently in the temple doing something. Maybe he's house cleaning. I don't know. But he's doing something, and he comes across this book. He'd never seen it before. That's the sense of the text. Didn't know what it was. He starts reading it, and he recognizes, wow, this is the book of God's law. <laughs> now, that would be like someone in our country, a preacher, say, coming across a Bible, wiping the dust off the cover, opening it up, beginning to read it, and realizing this is incredible. This is God's Word. I'm afraid our nation is moving down that pathway right now. But let's begin reading with verse 8. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. You found it? You mean you lost it? You didn't even know it existed, apparently. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it, Shaphan, the scribe. So Shaphan, the scribe, went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it in the, into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord, that would have been in the, the temple. Then Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, the high priest now, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it to, before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes he tore his clothes in an act of repentance, of grief, of extreme sorrow. He was hearing God's word for the first time. The book of God's law for the first time. He tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, 
Akbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. (laughs) It was lost. They didn't even know it existed. Inquire, pray to God for me and for the people concerning what this book is teaching us. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Oh, my. See, Josiah says, I I never heard of this book. I never knew about this book. I never knew the teachings of this book. Our fathers have led us so far away, have turned so far away, that we're a generation now that doesn't even know about this book. God's Word. Incredible. Are we not going down that pathway right now? You know, I've said for many times in, in, in teaching that virtually every household has at least a Bible within, and probably most households have two or three, at least, Bibles within. In a whole lot of those households, those Bibles are set on a shelf someplace or maybe on a shelf in a closet collecting dust. Maybe they've got one displayed for show on a coffee table in their living room or family room, but they don't open the Bible much at all, if ever. They read hardly anything from it, if anything. But I wonder now if I don't need to adjust that assessment. I suspect there are a whole lot of households now that don't have any Bible within at all. And I'm afraid that those numbers are becoming more and more numerous. Households that just don't have the Bible within anymore. People not living by it, not even thinking about it. You see, what happened to Judah, that nation, that part of God's people, Israel? They've moved so far away from God's word, they forgot it existed. They forgot the book of the law was even there. Didn't even know about it. They lost it. At one point, the nation of Judah, the two tribes to the south in the kingdom of Israel, including the priests and the high priest, had grown so far removed from the teachings of God's word that they forgot all about it. They lost the book of God's law. We need to be on guard. We need to wake up because as a people, as a nation, as a culture, we're moving at breakneck speed in that direction ourselves. We are a people who are progressively, and I don't mean that in a positive way, I mean that we continue to progress down that road that is moving us farther and farther away from God's Word, the Bible, and away from God as a result. We're becoming a sect, well, I should not say we're becoming. We are pretty much right now a secular and materialistic nation and culture. We're all about things 
We're all about money. We're all about what we want. And we're moving farther and farther away from God. So many people now declare they don't even believe in God, or at least they have very little confidence that God exists. But even huge percentage of those who say, oh, I believe in God, they don't, they don't follow God. They don't live by his teachings. Rarely, if ever, darken the door of a church building of any kind. Rarely, if ever, even open the covers of a Bible, let alone read anything from it. Yeah, I remember it wasn't very long ago that a famous cathedral in Paris, France, burned. It was historic. An historic building, been there for hundreds of years, and it burned, at least a major section of it. And I remember hearing about one lady who was lamenting, and she said something along this line, that was our church. We went there every Christmas and Easter. Really? You think that constituted church membership? You would attend twice a year on purpose? You see, that's moving farther and farther away from God. In fact, if that was her practice, that probably indicated she was already far away from God in her lifestyle. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, Proverbs 14 and verse 34, we read this. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Where are we in our nation right now? Can we say we're a righteous nation? Can we look at the lifestyles that are being promoted, that we're being hammered from the cultural leaders of our nation telling us, these are good lifestyles, these are godly lifestyles, these are righteous lifestyles. You have to accept these lifestyles, and you can name different ones. And these are lifestyles that not very many years ago, our people as a whole looked upon as being ungodly, sinful, wicked. But now we're being told, oh, that's all wrong. And if you call them wicked and sinful, then, then you're wrong and you're wicked and you're sinful. Well, they might not even use the word sinful in that regard, but they say you're wicked, you're hateful, simply because you're standing up for righteousness and godliness and the truth of God's word. Whenever a nation puts God's word out of their mindset, they'll also put God out of their mindset. You say, well, well no, no, I, I don't agree with that. Yeah, no, that's true. Because how do we know about God? How do we receive instruction from God? Through his word. And so when we put his word out of our mind, we're going to put God out of our mind. And when we put God out of our mind, we're walking away from God. It get, we get to a point where he's not even in our conscience. Satan will naturally move in and fill the void and bring all kinds of evil and wickedness with him. It's a natural. 
natural. What does James say in James chapter 4? I know I refer to this text of scripture over and over again in teaching, but in James chapter 4 and verse 7, James wrote, submit to God. Now that's, that's what we have to make up our mind. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to submit my will to his will. I'm going to submit to his teachings for my life. And then James goes on and he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Because you see, if you're walking with God, there's no room for the devil in your life. But if you're not walking with God, the devil moves right in. And then he goes on in the next verse and he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How do I draw near to God? James goes on and says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I have to turn away from sin to come to God. Now, God sent his son into this world, Jesus, as our Savior, to die on that cross to bear the price for the guilt of our sins. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. And through him, as we believe in him as our Savior, and as we repent of our sins, Luke 13 and verse 3, and as we surrender to him in baptism, that is being completely buried in the waters, immersed, that's what baptism means, the blood that is shed on that cross for us will cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. And we will be reborn spiritually. We will come up from that water of baptism, a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Forgiven, redeemed, saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the law, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14 and verse 6. How thankful we can be that Jesus has made the way, or we could say God has made the way through Jesus to come to him for forgiveness and salvation. But if we walk away from God, either purposely or just carelessly, then the devil moves in and wickedness becomes a part of our life automatically. We'll finish our study next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to be aware of the dangers that are all around us from a spiritual perspective. Help us to recognize that our greatest danger is not carnal warfare through military enemies coming against us, but it is the spiritual warfare that the devil is waging against us every day trying to pull us away from God and into sin, and thereby our soul's destruction. Help us, Father. Help us to walk with you. Please be merciful with us. Please forgive us, gracious Father. And hear our prayer. In Christ's name, amen.